The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, today our show is about workplace rights. And, you know, we've had this wonderful guest, Lou Malby, on our show before. He has this fabulous book, and I, I love the cover because it's this guy leaning against the wall, and there's, you know, a video camera above his head. He's trying to hide from it. And the, the name of the book is Can They Do That? Retaking Our Fundamental Rights in the Workplace. So this is really a wonderful book. We've had him on our show before, and I get so many calls from people who are wondering about, can you know, can my employer do that? Can they ask me for my password to my, my Facebook? You know, have they done a background check right? How come I can't get a job? I don't know what's going on. And so now in this economy, when jobs are, you know, still scarce, we have to worry about these kinds of things. So we're sitting on the campus of the University of California, Irvine. There's a lot of people that are are trying to get jobs. So they need to know this is really important. But if you didn't hear Lou before, I want you to hear who he is because he has an incredible background. Lou Maltby is and has been a major figure in American privacy for over 20 years. He's testified before Congress. He's appeared on 60 Minutes and Larry King Live. He participated in litigation before the U.S. Supreme Court. And he's been interviewed by every paper, every newspaper and periodical from the Wall Street Journal to Mother Jones. And he's a faculty member of the Rutgers School of Management and Labor Relations and has um, guest featured at Penn, uh, Vanderbilt, NYU, and Cornell. His book, Can They Do That?, Reclaiming Our Fundamental Rights at Work was published by Portfolio Press in 2010. It's a great book. And he also is in charge of workrights.org. So remember that workrights.org where you can get a lot of your questions answered. Lou, thank you so much for joining us from the East Coast. You are so wonderful. My pleasure, Mari. Well, this is a great book. And what led you to write this book, by the way? I wrote the book because of... For years, I was sitting at my desk, which was then at the ACLU, and people were calling virtually every day talking about horrible things that had happened to them, and they thought they had some sort of legal rights, and I had to tell them over and over again, the Constitution does not apply to private corporations. I don't care how unfair it was. It doesn't matter. And people were so stunned that they almost didn't believe me. And I wrote the book in an effort to alert the American people to the fact that you may have a lot of rights where the government is concerned, 
but your rights to an American citizen disappear when you go through the office door, and you need to know it, and hopefully if people know it, maybe they'll support changing that. Exactly. So what type of background investigations do employers conduct? Because we, everyone is getting, you know, now every company is doing a background check. And I can understand that they're worried about theft. They're worried about different things. But um, let's talk about what people can expect, these students who are graduating. What can they expect in a background investigation? Employers can and do investigate just about anything you've ever done. But The big three are criminal records checks, credit history, and Internet activity. Okay. So in credit history, that's changing in many states like California. Unless your job really relates to something with finance, they can't get your credit report anymore. Well, there are a couple of states that have taken that step, but only a couple. Right. In most states, if your boss wants to run a credit check and not hire you because Maybe your credit's no good because of reasons beyond your control. You lost your job and you couldn't pay your bills, but it doesn't matter. If your credit's bad, many companies won't hire you, even for jobs having nothing to do with handling money. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's absolutely crazy. There, there, of course, there are some jobs where, quite frankly, I would probably care about somebody's credit. If I were going to hire someone to run a a major project with a $5 million budget, if I saw that their credit was terrible and they'd always been employed, it would tell me they can't handle their money very well. They can't live within a budget. So maybe I wouldn't hire them for that job. But that's one job in a 100. Right. There are very few jobs where someone's ability to balance their own checkbook has any effect on their ability to do the job, but employers don't seem to care. And, you know, and the other sad thing about it is uh, many times credit histories are ruined because of some illness from the family. So maybe there was an illness with a child or, or you know, one of your uh, or your spouse or someone. And then, you know, you went through all this time because of the, the health issues and it shouldn't count against you for something like, like this, right? No, and employers seem to think or act as if bad credit means you're a deadbeat. Right. Well, there are, sure, there are a few people who have bad credits because they're deadbeats, but the vast majority of people with bad credit either lost their job and couldn't afford to pay their bills, or they're perfectly honest, but they just don't handle money well. Treating a bad credit report as if it were some sign that somebody's not trustworthy is completely unfair, but that's how employers do it. Yeah. So, you know, people listening in might get scared. Is, is there something really wrong with people, with an employer conducting a background investigation? Well, there's nothing wrong with an employer conducting a background investigation as long as they're conducting investigations into something that is relevant to the job and assuming they do the investigation in a professional way. But those are two huge assumptions that usually aren't true. Okay, so let's say some of our students here on the campus are going to be graduating in May or June, and what can they expect or what what would be legally appropriate for them when they um, are about to go and go to an employer? What should they expect in terms of what they have to do for a background check? You should expect the employer is going to run a, cr- a credit check a criminal record check, and they may very well conduct a review of everything you've ever done on the Internet. And the one thing that 
everybody really ought to do is before you go out to look for a job, run a credit check on yourself. Yes. You can get you can get a free credit report online. Yes, at annualcreditreport.com. And if there's anything that's wrong in the report, you can get it fixed. It's not easy. Credit companies actually make it difficult to fix mistakes, but ultimately if you jump through all the hoops, they will fix the mistake. And actually, you can even get a free, somewhat of a free public records and background check at, you know, it used to be LexisNexis.com, but if you go there to LexisNexis, you're entitled to that as well. So tell us about... And well, and Mara, yeah, go ahead. The people that people really need to know, too, is just because you've always paid your bills on time doesn't mean your credit report is good. Right. There's a lot of people out there with the same name. Credit checking companies don't have any quality control. I have seen more people than I could tell you who've been perfectly good about paying their bills on time that have bad credit reports because the credit company made a mistake, somebody's claimed they stiffed them when they didn't, or there was a mistake about their name. Right. So just because you've always paid your bills on time doesn't mean your credit report is good. Get a copy, and if it's wrong, get it fixed. If you don't, it could cost you a job. Exactly, exactly. And so like what you were talking about, yeah, if you know, if you have a name like Tom Jones, you know, just imagine how many Thomas Jones there are or Susan Smith. I mean, I had, I had Tom Jones who didn't pay his bills. Right, right. And and then there also might be identity theft. You know, that's what I hear about all the time. Someone says, oh, my gosh, my credit report is ruined. And somebody with my exact name and my social security number living in New York. And, and I live in, you know, uh, New, you know, New Jersey or something. I live in a different state. And this is identity theft. So, yeah, you're right. You have to check it and you have to fix it. But how about criminal rec- records? Tell us about the criminal records checks. Again, there's nothing wrong with running a criminal records check. Nobody wants somebody with a DUI conviction on their record driving a school bus. Right, right. Um, nobody wants somebody who's a convicted sex offender working in a daycare center. There are some jobs where certain convictions really ought to be a bar to employment. But a lot of companies simply won't hire you for any job if you've ever done anything illegal at any time in your life. Uh, we have one person we've worked with and tried to help who is now 33 years old. She's an honors graduate from the business school at UNC Chapel Hill, and she's paying her bills by waiting tables, which is how she worked her way through college. Because mm. when she was 19, she sold a handful of psychedelic mushrooms to another kid in the dorm who turned out to be a police officer. Oh. 14 years later, she still can't get a job. Yeah. This is a person who would, without this, employers would be fighting to get her. But because she made the stupid mistake 14 years ago when she was 19 years old, she can't get a job. And it's crazy. It's stupid. It's unfair. Everybody loses, but a lot of companies do it that way. And not only something like that, like, and and again, since we have these young people listening in also from the University of California, you know, I mean, think what that can mean to you, you know, even if you, if you're caught with a small amount of marijuana or whatever it is, I mean, that could just follow you the rest of your life. You could get busted for having a joint at a rock concert when you're a freshman in college and it can follow you for the rest of your life. I'm sorry to have to say it, but 
it happens. And it never goes away. It you never know? goes away. There are a few states where you can get a record expunged if it's a small offense after a certain number of years. Yes. Um, it's worth looking into, but most of the time, unfortunately, you can't get it. Yeah, in California, <clears throat> thing, we do have that. One thing people should know, though, is mm-hmm. a lot of these... A lot of these real small offenses are put into these various diversion programs, and they have different names, but they basically put your case on the icebox for a year, and if you don't mess up again, they drop the case. Right, right. Well, that's great because you didn't get convicted, but you still have an arrest on your record. Right. Some of those programs will automatically expunge the arrest after the time period is up, but many of them don't. You have to go back and take the initiative yourself and get the expungement. You can get it, but you have to do it. So anyone who's been in one of these diversion programs needs to look into it and make sure that that arrest got expunged. And if it didn't, get it expunged. You can't. Right, right. If it's not a conviction, you can get it expunged. And people people don't realize that they have to take the initiative. It doesn't happen automatically. And I've had clients that that has happened to. They thought it was automatically done, and especially if they haven't had, you know, the help of an expensive attorney to, to kind of follow up on it, it isn't necessarily expunged, it'll follow them the rest of their lives. And they think that, oh, well, I thought that was dismissed. And, and I actually have a... a, a one of my identity theft victims uh, that's happened to, and we were able to finally see that it wasn't expunged, even though they said it would be. So, you know, then years later, try and do it. It's, it's, a, it's a craziness. And another, you can't technically get a criminal record check on yourself, but it's not that hard to do. If you, you have a friend who's an employer Go apply to work there, even if you don't really intend to work there, and have them run a criminal records check on you. Yes. And then see if there's anything in there that's wrong. Right. If, it, if you actually did it, you can try to get it expunged, but you probably won't succeed. But if there's something in there, it's just not you. Yes. It's a mistake. That you can probably get fixed, and you really should. But that's even hard, okay, because I've dealt with a bunch of those cases. And if you're a victim, for example, of criminal identity theft, it it's not like going to the credit bureaus and you just write a letter and you tell them, hey, you know, this isn't me, you've got to change it, and then they have to tell all of the creditors that it's not you. It's very different with criminal identity theft. It's very hard to clean up. And you in, in, in the state of California, for example, you can actually register yourself um, as, as a victim of criminal identity theft, and then you can use that to go to the courts and have it changed. So it's, it's very hard. You just don't go to the vendor. You have to go back to the court and say, this isn't me. And sometimes it's hard if they never got the real guy. And if it's identity theft, Unfortunately, it's a nightmare. It's an yes. absolute nightmare yes. to unscramble the egg. Right. But if it's just a single mistake yeah. by the, in the database that the background checking company is using, if it's just a single mistake and it wasn't you and you can prove it, you can probably get it out of there. And, I, and you really need to. A criminal record is just yeah. a, a nightmare when it comes to getting a job, no matter how long ago it was. Lou, I had this client, oh, several years ago that I ended up getting him on um, on Dateline because what happened to him was 
he had been laid off and then he tried to get a job and he had been making six figures and um, he tried to get another job and he couldn't get a job and he couldn't understand why these people were looking at him. He wouldn't even get an interview. He finally gets a copy of his background check and it says that he'd been arrested for murder. Well, what ended up happening, the real guy who killed his girlfriend in bed um, while they were drunk, um, the real guy, when he was booked into the the jail, they put his phone number in as his social security number, which happened to be my client's social security number. So every time a background check would come up, it was using the social, not not fingerprints. The uh-huh. criminal databases use criminal um, fingerprints, you know, but the the background check companies, the vendors use social security numbers. So we had it took us literally years to, to fix that up and ended up getting him on Dateline and he finally got his life back. If you can imagine, they put the phone number of the criminal in the social security n- place and that's how, that was just that error. It was crazy. Yeah, and there is one other thing that people can sometimes do. Um, if you go up and you apply for a job driving a truck and they won't hire you because you bounced a check, even if you really did it, you're under federal law, you're only supposed to turn somebody down for a job if the conviction is job-related. Right. Now, unfortunately, uh, the Equal Employment Opportunities Commission is probably not going to make an issue out of it if they just made a mistake in your case. But if a company is consistently turning people down for jobs because of convictions having nothing to do with the job, the EEOC is now making a big issue about that. So if you you get turned down for a job because of a conviction that has nothing to do with the job, you really ought to file a complaint with the EEOC. And you might want to talk to a few other people, if you know any, who applied to work there because... If it's consistent practice, there could be something you could do about it. Right. And you could even, it's, it's a gamble, but you might be able to get a lawyer to write a letter to the company and say, you can't turn my client down because he's got a jaywalking conviction. I really don't want to sue you. How about giving him the job after all? Right, it, right. It, it might work. Or they might say, well, you know, there was a what I've seen in those kinds of things when I've tried to do that. Then, then the company says, well, he wasn't as qualified as the other candidates. So you know what I mean? <laughs> they they, yeah. they they try and prove that, but you know what? It never hurts to try because it might scare them, like you said. Let's talk a little bit about the Fair Credit Reporting Act in terms of you know um, the legal rights that people have. Well, this is really important because. The Fair Credit Reporting Act, at least on paper, requires an employer to tell you that they found something in a background check that's going to cause them not to hire you before they make the decision. And the whole purpose is to give you the opportunity to explain, no, 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 that wasn't me. That was some other John Jones that robbed that store. Or, no, it was, that's not my credit. And... Unfortunately, employers don't always do it. Right. But they should. 
Right. And legally, they're required to. And if you get a chance to explain what happened, you might as well take the chance. Maybe they'll pay attention. Maybe they won't. But if you don't respond, you definitely will not get the job. Yeah, and another thing that I've learned is if you know that there was some mix-up with, with you and someone else, either criminal identity theft or other kind of financial identity theft, if you know that, it's a good idea to let them know right up front so That's that right. you know, so if, that they if know. If you can't get it fixed, yeah. then, and you, then you might as well assume, the, don't assume that your boss, your prospective boss, isn't going to find it. Right. Whatever it is, They'll probably find it. And as you say, Mari, it, if you go in and tell them Up front. at the interview, yeah. when you run my credit check, you're going to find out that there's this report in there. It's not me, and I can prove it. Right, right. Uh, it is a, it's a big difference between having, being able to explain something you didn't tell them about and telling them about it up front. It's a huge difference. Yeah, there was a case about five years ago, and it's driving me nuts because I can't remember the name of the case, but it was a guy who worked for some investment company, and he was up for promotion so that he authorized a background check, and it came up with all this criminal stuff that wasn't him, and they fired him on the spot, and he came back and said, you didn't give me a chance to even prove that this isn't me, ended up in a lawsuit, and he won big time because they did not follow FCRA. They didn't give him any, you know, a chance to even prove that this wasn't him. They didn't give him a copy of the report, nothing. So that's another issue that if you are going to authorize a background check, they usually you have to check a box that I am authorizing this background check. You have a right to get a copy and write it down there. If you don't see anything on there to check a box that you want a copy, shouldn't you always get a copy, Lou? Yes. Federal law requires the employer to, to give you a copy. But if, if you've got a bad credit report or a criminal record that for some reason you can't get fixed, if you apply for the job and you don't hear anything for a while, you might want to call in. Yes. Because they're supposed to send you the report that's going to make them not fire you before they, or refuse to hire you before they make the decision. But employers don't always do it, and if they don't, you could theoretically sue them later. But it would be a lot easier to take the initiative and, and call in if you're not hearing anything, and maybe there's something in the background check that they don't like, and you'll have a chance to explain it. Right, and you need to see it because you're probably looking for other employers, too. You don't want them to see something that's that's not even true. No. Yeah, and so, like, when you do go in for, if you get to the point where you get an interview, and then, this leads me to another question. Shouldn't you not give your background check until after you've been interviewed? Doesn't that, is that something that's uh, doable? Unfortunately, not. There's... Uh. Okay. Any employer who runs the background checks before the interview is, is crazy. but there's, And not too many employers do it. Yeah, because it costs them money, too. There's, there's no point of running a credit check or a back, criminal background check on somebody you weren't even willing to interview. Right. So it doesn't happen very often, but there's no law against it. Right. So I think that if you go in for an interview and you do sign something that you're authorizing a background check, just you know make sure you say to them... Um, 
I'd really love a copy of it. I want to make sure that it, it's accurate. So let them know even before you leave. That's a good point. Even if the company doesn't automatically send out the notice as they legally should, if you tell them you want it, maybe they'll do it in your case. Right, right. What about... I mean, I mean, the big, big point is you just can't assume employers are going to do things right. Yeah. You have to take responsibility for the process yourself if you want to maximize the chances of it not getting screwed up. You shouldn't have to do it, but in the real world, unfortunately, you do. Yeah, you have to be proactive. So what about the Internet? You know, all these kids that are listening in right now, and, and adults too, and me too, you know, I'm real careful on Facebook and, and LinkedIn, but, um, but you never know, you know. Why are employers conducting these Internet searches, and what does it mean to us? This is such a nightmare. Uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, I've been in this business a long time. I've seen a lot of crazy abuses, but this one, this really takes the cake. Um, I understand why employers would want to run an Internet check on someone they were about to hire. Hiring somebody after a couple of interviews is like marrying somebody after two dates. You really don't know as much as you ought to know, and you might make a mistake, and hiring the wrong person isn't quite as bad as marrying the wrong person. <laughs> but, but, but it's an investment. You know, you have to train investment. them. Yeah. You, you hire the person, and if they're not right... It's going to take at least six months before you really conclude this person's the wrong person for the job and fire them. Then you have to go to all the expenses of hiring somebody else, and you pay them for six months and didn't get the job done. And worse yet, whatever it was they were supposed to be doing didn't get done. Even, hire, even hiring the wrong burger flipper is an expensive mistake. So sure. I, and... Any source of information employers can get their hands on, they're going to use. And quite frankly, I don't really blame them. The problem is the way they use the information. Right. You're going to think I'm making this up, Mari, but it's, but it's true. You could be 37 years old, and there's a picture of you at your birthday party with a glass of beer in your hand, and... You put it on your Facebook page, and you apply for a job, and they will literally, even if they were about to hire you, and pray that you would accept their offer, instead of sending the offer letter, they'll shred your application mm. because you've got a class of beer in your hand on your Facebook page. Oh, gosh. It's crazy. It's crazy. And, or, heaven forbid, you should go on vacation and take a picture of yourself in a bikini on the beach in Jamaica and put that on your Facebook page. Because I could tell you a long list of women who did that mm. and got either not hired or, in some cases, fired from jobs they already had. Yeah. It's, and it's, the, the rule of thumb is employers act as if anything on your Facebook page, you did it at the office. Right, right. So it it's really kind of kills the point of Facebook to say this, but it's dangerous to put anything on the Internet that you wouldn't be comfortable doing in the office because the boss will act as if you had. Yeah. And and so we don't have a lot of time left, so can you just give us some things that we can do to protect ourselves when we are on the Internet? Well, the, the biggest thing is if you're going to post something that might offend your grandmother, <laughs> 
put it behind a password. Okay. Um, that's the, and, and I don't really mean Facebook, unfortunately, because the average person has got 100 friends, and, which means that you have 10,000 friends of friends. That's a huge number of people who have some sort of access to your Facebook page. If you're going to put sensitive stuff on your Facebook page, at least be careful with your privacy settings so somebody you don't even know who's a friend of your friend isn't going to see it because that somebody could be your boss. Yeah, so the bottom line is don't put up anything that you wouldn't want the whole world to see. <laughs> no, and, and what, what happens, I have talked to a couple of employers about this and say, why are you being so nuts? And what they say is, if this person puts a picture of themselves at a party on their Facebook page, I think they're a partier. Yep. And that's, that's the logic behind this. And it, once you see the logic, you get a sense of what you shouldn't do. Exactly. And you believe this? We are out of time. We could have talked for hours. You are wonderful. We're going to have to go. So why don't you just give your website so people can go there, and then we got to go. If I didn't answer the question, you could go to www dot work rights with an s dot org and there's a great deal of information there that will hopefully be helpful thank you so much lou we will have you back again and, My pleasure, and good luck with this wonderful book can they do that i think everybody should read it thanks so much thank you bye-bye You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. right here on KUCI. And visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.